Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Very festive, Rob, with the uh, American flag in the background, doing your part, coming and going into the holiday weekend. Great dedication to the show. I think, uh, I, way to, way to, yeah, I, I see you're, uh, you're wearing red, white, and blue there, Rich, in honor of our nation. In honor Where of is that the boys of summer, is that? This is in honor of the Cleveland Guardians and America, I guess. Uh, just took three of five from Faith Howard Mooney's Minnesota Twins, one game back. So just got a new owner that's actually got some money. So, but we got the Yankees in town for week uh, three this weekend. So, are you a season ticket holder? I am. Good seats? Yeah. They're like, you know, 10th row above the dugout. Wow. Foul ball? You ever get a foul ball? They come over there all the time. I, I have not myself personally caught one in a long time, but people I'm with catch them all the time. So, I remember, uh, uh, boy, we're really getting off the topic really right from the get-go here, but I was at a game. I, I used to go to a lot of A's and Giants games, and I was at a Giants game about 10 rows behind the dugout there, and uh, I don't know, I don't remember who it was, but they hit a foul ball, and it was a foul ball that just went way up in the air, and it was coming down, and you think, oh, those are so easy to catch. But this ball, I mean, it was screaming just down, you know, gravity. And we all cleared out and it and it hit off the uh, chair in front of me and bounced like way like up into the second deck. I mean, it's fast. It's not uh, mm-hmm. it's not easy to to deal with. I was I was I started crying. Uh, I don't know if I've recovered since that traumatic event. Did you get booed by the the fans when they showed the replay on the uh, jumbotron? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everybody. Anyway, happy Friday, everyone. Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here with the rundown with Robin Rich, where we take you into the weekend by running through the week that was in the mortgage industry, heading into a holiday weekend this week, Fourth of July, obviously looming on Monday. Also, exactly halfway through 2022. On July 1st. So six months down, six to go. Rob, we all saw how these last first six months of the year were going to play out. It was obvious in advance, right? So worst six months for the stock market in like 30 years and 30-year fixed rates in the sixes. And But a little positive note as we get into leg two of 2022, some better than expected inflation numbers, not the main numbers Core PCE came in a tenth lower than expected. The ISM manufacturing index came in a point or so less than expected. And with a market right now, every I tell everybody that I talk to in our industry that is looking for guidance on how to talk to their salespeople or how to talk to pre-approved borrowers in the pipeline, everything is fueling off inflation data right now. Everything. Every financial market is, is nearly exclusively fueling off of inflation numbers and expectation of future inflation numbers based on other real-time data, you get just a couple like barely better than expected minor inflation numbers this week. And we see the 10-year plummets over 30 basis points. Um, So a little trying to, you know, find the ray of light in, in these first six months, maybe this is a hard bringer of a better second half of the year. 
Is there a question in there, Rich? No, as always. Right. Uh, no, I, I, you know, inflation sneaks up on you in different ways. And I went to the store yesterday. This is exactly the, this is exactly why I add value to this show, Rich. I went to the store yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, and I bought. Uh, I've told this story to a few people. I bought. I, I you enter where, where you enter the store is in the cereal aisle, and I needed some cereal. And so, I start shopping for cereal, and either my hands have gotten bigger or the cereal boxes have gotten smaller. But I think the cereal, you know, General Mills, Kellogg's, I think that they are putting, that they are selling less cereal per box at the same price. So inflation doesn't always uh, uh, present itself like it does at the gas pump, because I'll tell you the gas, I mean, just to fill up my tank, I have uh, a car that takes diesel and it was near empty. And uh, I spent $116 filling up the darn tank the other day. So yeah, inflation inflation is in our face every day, uh, in everybody's face. And as we've talked about, it really impacts the people who are um, part of the service economy, part of our service economy, the people who have to commute into to be cooks or uh, clean, you know, house cleaners or uh, cleaning staff at a hotel, or those people who really are reliant on commuting and paying for gasoline, and it just eats into their paycheck. And I'll make the point that from a recessionary perspective, and I'm, I hear recession, 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 recession. The recession may be years down the down the road, and you know, until then, we're going to be hearing about the recession. And the markets are very good about trying to predict what's going to happen next. But from a household perspective, Rich, I think it's important to remember that a lot of people saved a lot of money as much as they could during the two couple of years of the pandemic. They weren't going to Disneyland. They weren't going to Disney World. They weren't flying to Europe. They weren't dining out every week. And so the savings rate went way up. And from a household balance sheet, those balance sheets still look pretty good. People still have savings. However, the longer that we're having to deal with some of these inflationary pressures, the worse it'll get. And so eventually it'll catch up with us. The same to some extent with corporations. A lot of corporations refinance their debt, just like homeowners refinance their debt, just like the U.S. government refinanced its debt when rates were relatively low. So the debt service payments that people are making, that families are making, that the government is making, that corporations are making are less than some years ago. So we have that to our advantage. And, and lastly, I'll kind of finish with this. When you talk about any kind of slowdown, uh, and it's nice to see a little bit of inflation data that may be spurring on the bond market and people saying, well, you know, maybe rates are going to go down. Maybe we've seen the worst of this, which, which I kind of think we have. But think about what happens in a recession. Rates typically drop. And obviously, when rates drop, you'll have the potential, believe it or not, for refinancing some of the borrowers that we're giving loans to now. And 
And that's one of the reasons why lenders and originators are not seeing wonderful above par pricing on rate sheets is because you have this fear that, gosh, if rates go back down, these borrowers that we're giving loans to at five and three quarters or six or six and a quarter, they're going to refinance. So why should I pay 103 or 105 for some loan that I'm only going to have on my books for six months or a year? So I continue to, to field questions about the lack of premium pricing on rate sheets and why is that and why aren't we seeing great arm pricing and why this and why that. And I think that if we, as the market stabilizes, as we stabilize to some extent, some of that premium pricing may come back. But for right now, we're just not seeing it on rate sheets. But yeah, if rates if rates slide back down a little bit, um, you know that that's a that's a good thing. Maybe maybe some of the people who would like to buy a house but have been priced out of it from an affordability perspective, maybe they'll come back in, and that would be nice. Because, you know, we are seeing a little pickup in inventory, a little, a few more for sale signs that are out there, which is what we need. So I'll leave off with that. Yeah, excellent overview of where, where things are at now as we're six months into the year. Uh, to your point, you know, we've talked about a lot of the positive sides of, of just what's going on in the economy right now. Very good labor market, savings rate, you touched on a few of them. Feels like right now, though, a little some of those are being put under a little bit of pressure pressure due to just this pervasive inflation that maybe, you know, the average American wasn't feeling pain from it six months ago. It just feels like people I talk to like now, the accumulation of inflation related price increases over the course of the last six, seven months starting to uh, have an impact. Um, the uh, and you know, the Federal Reserve is, you know, obviously trying to deal with this as best as they can. Um, one of the Fed, another thing that caught my eye today was the San Francisco Fed governor, Mary Daly, who tends to be one of the more dovish, dovish meaning uh, not in favor of aggressive rate hikes and rate reductions. Mary Daly came out at something she spoke at yesterday and yeah, made some made some comments that for her were very hawkish, just about her thoughts on inflation, how it's impacting regular Americans, and uh, you know definitely rep, uh, ratcheted up her rhetoric on what she thinks the Fed should do from a policy standpoint. And two really really key the dates to remember for this month: uh, July thirteenth is when we get CPI data, the Consumer Price Index, which is the most broadly watched gauge of inflation that tracks the average price year over year paid by U.S. consumers in kind of like a market basket of goods and services, up 8.6% in May year over year. You strip out the volatile food and energy, it was still up six. Um, so watch the actual number, what it comes in against expectations. And of course, the Fed is meeting again later this month on the 26th and 27th. So um, me personally, I think we could see 30-year fixed rates with a seven handle and a four handle at some point. These last six months, I think she's going to be very, very volatile. This next CPI number is huge. Uh, really going to set the course of the markets next couple of months, mortgage rates and stocks. If they, uh, you know, if they include Captain Crunch in that CPI number, Rich, I think we could be heading higher. You have any stats, Rob, on the the ratio of cereal consumed by podcast hosts that are harassed by drug dogs? 
<laughs> I do, but you know what? I, I left that file uh, in the house. Next time. So Next people time. in the chat, the chat, in addition to baseball chatter from you our know, um, shrinkflation uh, is, has been come up a couple of times. And, and I what think has? we're talking about, Rob, the, okay, hey, my cereal costs the same price, but there's oh, three less well, ounces. Uh, crunch, crunch berries, rich have, uh, gone through the, through the roof. Uh, and I think that's what's driving some of this inflation. Any tie to the legalization of pot in about half the countries in America, the crunch berry explosion. Oh, <laughs> uh, how come our conversation, rich always goes right into drugs. That's right. It's the know. Friday before holiday weekend. I think it's, I think it's that Twinsburg influence. <laughs> So yeah, shrinkflation, a few people mentioning in the chat. Uh, and yeah, something that all joking aside is uh, starting to also rear its head as a part of the, the broader, <laughs> the broader inflation picture. So um, I went, you know, just uh, here, here's Rob's tip of the day, Rich. Ready? Mm-hmm. So I got a, a round table pizza. Now I've since found out that round table isn't in most parts of the nation but it's out, it's out in the West and I'll be darned if I didn't get a, uh, an extra large pizza because I like cold pizza leftovers and with a tip and I was picking it up. So, I, but I gave a little tip anyway, or a decent sized tip. It was $46 for this darn pizza. And I, sh- when you, when you pay prices like that, what happens is the consumer, including me, if I was smart, you can go to the grocery, you can go to the frozen food section of your grocery store and get a frozen pizza for five or 10 bucks or maybe 15. And so what happens with inflation, and it's a, we could have a whole session about economics of, of inflation, what people do. But one of the first things that people do is they stop, they stop spending money on whatever it is that has gone up a lot in price. And unfortunately with some goods uh, like, like gasoline, it's hard to do, but in the event of they want, somebody wants a pizza, they will skip round table or they will skip the local pizza place and go to the frozen food section and pay 10 or $15. So people will substitute one good for another good in order to save money. In which case, you know the, the the pizza parlors of the world really start to suffer uh, because they have these, you know, the, because they have the higher prices. But it's not only pizza; it's you know cereal. And my commentary today I talked about uh, having oatmeal. Oatmeal still, you know, you can get by for ten or fifteen cents a serving unless you add on all the uh, all the treats. But people start to shift away from more expensive goods into less expensive goods. And so what happens to the more expensive goods is there's a natural deflation that occurs that, you know, round table pizza says, wow, our pizza sales are down. We shouldn't be charging 40 bucks plus a tip for these extra larges anymore. We got to figure out a way to cut some costs. Same thing happens with, with lenders, right? Rich with, with mortgage companies who like if, if, the borrower is not biting on that particular rate and that particular price program. They have to sharpen their pencil, become more efficient and so forth uh, in, in the whole transaction. So there's interesting things that go on with the economy when 
prices start going up or prices uh, are going down, different things can happen. And, and, uh, and I think it's good for lenders just to be aware of the general economic conditions that are driving rates right now. It's really, you know, we're living in this macroeconomic experiment that we've been living in since the beginning of COVID. It's been very interesting to watch. This is The Rundown with Robin Rich. I'm Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative, joined, as always, by Rob Crisman. And yeah, great points, Rob. I mean, we've been banging this inflation drama on this show for a long time, but because it is so relevant, uh, you know, this our industry right now is being driven. It's always a very rate-sensitive industry, but right now, particularly, very, very driven on interest rates. Um, and inflation right now and expectations of what lies ahead in that arena uh, really is fueling everything as it's related to rates as well. Inventory, the other side of the picture. Uh, we know the federal government's trying to help there. We've we've talked about how, how realistically feasible that is. But uh, to your point, at the outset of the show, we're starting to see some data, another tick up in inventory. Listings in June um, up from May, up 19% from a year ago, last June, total inventory levels, but still about half of what inventory levels were before the pandemic. Uh, also to buy the average, the median priced home right now in America requires 31.5% of the average US wage. That's the highest that has been since 2007. We all remember what happened in 2007 and of course the years right after that so uh it's housing related expenses is a huge part of inflation as well it's just expensive to for everything right now and it feels like it's wearing on the u.s consumer it feels like it's wearing on the investor to your point they're very good at predicting where things are going look at anything right now we had a little rally in the stock market uh this week and in in bonds uh bonds uh bond yields came down as well so but Rob? <clears throat> Sorry. So somebody asked me an interesting question the other day, and I, uh, I've, been, I've thought about my answer ever since. And they said, Rob, you have, you know, you, if you have a mortgage, you know, it's whatever the mortgage rate is, and you have your credit cards that you pay and so forth and so on. So that Rob, if rates were to, to go way up, what would the direct impact on you be? And I thought about it and I thought, hmm, interesting. Fixed, you know, fixed rate, people with fixed rate mortgages, they don't really care what rates or what rates do. Just, you know, today, forget, I mean, you could sit here and argue that, oh, well, if they're going to refinance, you know, higher rates will impact them and, and so forth. But really, if you've got a fixed rate mortgage of two and three quarters or 3%, you don't really mind rates going up. If you pay your credit cards every month on time, maybe you don't care what credit card rates do. So you you start to think about, you know, the Rich Sabinskis of the world or, you know, Amy's or whoever, what is the impact, direct impact on your family's economics if rates go way up? If you have a fixed rate mortgage and your credit card you pay your credit card. And I know, I know there's a lot of ifs, but you know, if you don't have a car payment or maybe you have a car loan, but that car loan is fixed. It's interesting when you think about the impact on high, of higher rates, if rates were to go up and up and up, how does that negatively impact you? Of course, it impacts lenders in general and borrowers, but for a lot of people, 
I won't say they're immune from higher rates, but the impact of higher rates on the day-to-day activities of a lot of families who have a fixed rate mortgage and who do pay their credit cards on you know every month and have a fixed rate car payment or whatever, it might not be as great as we might think. So just something to think about um, when you hear about higher rates or lower rates and so forth. Obviously, like I said earlier, a lot of corporations refinanced a lot of corporate debt when rates were low. And so their debt service, or they paid them off. And so their debt service is somewhat low, um, which helps them in the long run. So it'll, it'll once again, it's fascinating what's going on with interest rates and how it impacts uh, us as an industry and individuals and, and families. Absolutely. Uh, the first guarantee news, you kind of broke it last Friday. Um, some comments in the chat and <clears throat> the Q&A about it, thoughts on it. I mean, it's, you know, they were a, a back firm that uh, just said enough is enough. There's, you know, the whole, you get into this just with personal finance as well, like the filing bankruptcy versus something besides filing bankruptcy. There's some news today. There's some gender discrimination lawsuits. It just feels like this is really, you know, some of their former employees on, on LinkedIn making put just not happy about the way it went. Ah, it's not, you know, not a good look. Not you hate to just hear about any of this crap. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not good. Uh, when you, when you see or hear something like that. And, and I know a lot of people don't like, um, you know, better.com. Uh, a lot of people don't like some of the lenders that are out there. There are, there are, and I, and I, and I, I, I tell people to remember that there's a lot of really good people in, in our industry and a lot of good companies. And there are some not so great people in our industry and some not gr- so great companies in our, in our industry. And it's, it's really tough when people that you like or good people in our industry are negatively impacted by a company going out of business or a company going through layoffs because, you know, even like better.com, I mean, we can sit here and talk about better.com and they had it coming and they were screwing things up for, for the rest of the industry. But nonetheless, there are some good people there who have been hurt. Um, and I think that unfortunately, you know, we, we're going to continue to see this for the remainder of the year, because I mean, we're, we're in this, we're in this, we're entering the summer rich or we're not entering the summer, but we're in the summer and the traditionally a, a purchase purchase season and purchases aren't going gangbusters. So what's going to happen come September, October, November, December, you know, it's good. It's going to be rough out there. So. Uh, we will certainly see what happens. Um, you know, that the, a question just popped up. Is this indicative of what's going on with the non-QM segment of the industry? And, you know, Rich, you can weigh in. My, my two cents are probably worth one cent at this point, but I don't think it's necessarily indicative of the industry as a whole. The, the non-QM segment, and I know we've had Robert Senko on here a number of times, who's had some very wise things to say about that portion of the industry, but we've been, the non-QM segment of our industry has been waiting to blossom and to shine and to, you know, come come up to like 20 or 30 or 50% of the overall industry volume-wise for a number of years now. It hasn't happened. Um, 
the non-QM segment of our industry certainly focuses on some really neat borrowers that are underserved by QM lending. I, so I don't think the first guarantee news is a, a hit on the industry per se, but there is there it, it has caused, I have received a, several emails from people saying, gee, are we going to have a repeat of March of 2020 when everybody ran for the hills? Or not, I shouldn't say everybody, not everybody ran for the hills, but a lot of big names kind of backed out of the market. Uh, are we going to get into a situation like that because of first guarantee? I don't think so. I think it, um, you know, I don't know the inner workings of the company that well, but uh, from what I've heard, it it probably is an outlier. I would agree. I, to me, like, I think there's a misnomer with people that associate non-QM loans with bad loans. There are certainly some loans that try to go non-QM and don't make it. Um, but I would almost argue the opposite, that non-QM performs really well. There's a story behind a lot of it that makes it non-conventional. I would almost argue that the yields that the secondary market demands for non-QM is almost too high because you see a lot of that business that'll get written by the bank or the credit union that'll just do the loan as a portfolio loan and put it on their shelves. So I don't think it's a broader problem. I, I do think like the companies you work with in that space or any niche space is way more important than, okay, we're going to sell Should we sell the Fannie or Freddie? Well, it matters, but it really doesn't matter. Right. Uh, you know, who should we use for this widely used service? Yes, of course it matters a little bit, but like who you use for niche products in the secondary market, niche things, if it's technology or other services, uh, much, much more important. Yeah. That would be my take on non-QM space. So yeah. Um, the MBA, Rob, you mentioned it. We're in the middle of summer now. I think we've had existing home sales that have gone down four months in a row <laughs> in uh, March, April, uh-huh. May, June, down okay. all yeah. slightly, very slightly. But I can't, I don't think we've ever seen that. I can't remember ever when you, the four months, the last two months of spring and first two months of summer, basically, where um, the MBA app data was up barely a little bit week over week, up, I think, 0.1 on purchases. And I think the recurring theme here is you know, homes that are on the market are typically getting bought um, and continue to get bought, irregardless of the rate climate. Has rates slowed things down um, a little bit? Of course it has. I think it's more because of just like the news screamers and the fact that it's so in front of people as opposed to, oh, I refuse to buy a home with a 6% 30-year fixed rate. Because historically, it's still a good rate and you got to live somewhere, right? Rent prices are, saw new data on rent from I think it was Zillow or Redfin where uh, home. Yeah, your, your grasp of statistics and your knowledge of statistics, Rich, is unparalleled. Uh, I don't, I, I, I get the sense though that people don't grow up with dreaming about renting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They dream about home ownership and whether rates are 3% or 6%. You know, going back to the pizza analogy, people find a way if they really want pizza, they may not go to the local pizza parlor, they'll go to the freezer section and, and pop it in the oven. If people are looking at 6% interest rates, like I know, I know a couple who are buying a house who um, they are using some of their savings and they are doing a seller carry back at 5% interest only for five years. So better than the current market, interest only loan, the seller was able to finance it. And so that's how they are doing. That's how they structured their deal. So whether 
people are going to their parents, going to friends, home equity lines. I mean, there, there's, there's a way that they are doing it. And once again, as we've talked about on the show, it's a great way for originators to add value to be able to work with a family or an individual who wants to buy a place. Let's figure this out. Yeah. Inter- you know, if we just give you a 30-year rate, it's going to be six and a quarter. But let's figure this out. Let's, you know, let's talk about what kind of debt you have. And let's talk about your the home you're in now. Let's talk about this and let's talk about that. And it's a great chance for originators, whether they're at a broker shop or independent mortgage bank or a bank, to be able to add value. And and I'm, I know this term is overused, but create a client for life who, you know, when that when that person goes out, you know, uh, you know, Francine couldn't help me on this deal, but boy, she really tried. And I'd always recommend you talk to Francine. So it's, it's a way for, for lenders and, and originators to add value. I was talking to a realtor friend of mine this week. She said she's never been like just the, the siege of lender requ- requests right now, uh, especially if you're a good realtor. Uh, they're all looking to do anything they can to uh, get the attention of realtors right now. So, <laughs> yeah, look, look at in the chat. Dave wrote uh, that uh, the North Dakota HFA businesses going gangbusters. So there are ways to, there are ways, some creative ways out there, down payment assistance programs and so forth that originators are using to help, help their clients. Absolutely. And I know we're going into a holiday weekend and I wanted to keep it a little shorter this week, but where are you at right now? I commented on your uh, festive American flag, but it looks like you're like in a cabin in the woods. I'm uh, at a cabin in the woods. No, I'm in, I'm in a little town, Truckee, Truckee, north of Lake Tahoe. Ah, okay. And uh, looking forward to the parade on Monday. Nice. Yeah, small town parade. Are you doing anything exciting for the for the weekend, Rich? Not really. Uh, the town I live in hosts a big travel baseball tournament this week. I'm retired. Wiffle ball? Wiffle ball? The World, World Series of Wiffleball.com. I've mentioned this before. I run the world's biggest wiffle ball tournament. This is the eighth year of it. It's August 12 to 14. Uh, we have people coming from all across America. We had 120 some teams last year. Wow. World series of wiffleball.com. That's, that's coming up in August, but uh, this year in, uh, yeah, in about a little over a month, month and a half, but uh, this weekend, just a big travel baseball tournament in town. So my girlfriend's son's playing in the 13 U division and yeah, a lot of other kids and Coaches, I know that are so I'll be watching a lot of baseball in 90 degree heat in Cleveland. You're, you're gonna be stopping by, uh, uh, I guess Crazy Kaplan's Fireworks is in Indiana. I don't know if it's in Ohio. You're gonna, you're gonna stock up on fireworks, safe and sane fireworks. I have been known to be one of those people that, uh, that, that, uh, blows off a lot of fireworks. They, they just got legalized formally in Ohio. You used to have to, when you bought fireworks in Ohio, no shortage of place to buy them, even though they were illegal until a month ago, you used to have to sign like this form saying you would take them, transport them out of the state that, uh, but sure. no longer. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> could be some explosions in my backyard. <laughs> uh, sometime I'll tell you a funny story about my kids and fireworks in Chicago. So anyway, we've run out of time. We've run out of time. And uh, to all of our attendees, thank you, as always, for wrapping the week up with us, especially a Friday heading into a holiday weekend. Uh, have almost 170 people on here live. 
uh, is a great thing. And uh, our podcast listeners, remember, we do this live as well every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. If you go to mortgagecollaborative.com, you can register once for all future episodes and be notified about the live Zoom version as well as the podcast version that a lot of you listen to. So uh, with next, that, next week, Rich, next week, do we have a, uh, a special guest star? I think we do. Yeah. Todd Duncan, who a lot of people know, he's been a very successful speaker, sales leader, just, you know, I think most people know of Todd. So uh, yeah, we're going back and forth. That would be cool to have him on next Friday, see what he's been up to, see what advice he has for the mortgage world uh, six months into what's been a pretty crazy year. Yeah. All right. Well, Well, Rob, enjoy the fourth. Um, enjoy the holiday, enjoy the long weekend, uh, to our listeners. Thanks as always, uh, for checking in with us. And Rich, don't, don't, uh, don't point any bottle rockets at your siblings over the weekend. Hopefully next, I have all my digits, uh, next Friday. So there you go. All right. Happy fourth, everyone. Take care. Bye Rob. <clears throat> See you later. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.